yeah, you know that voice. It's the Brian Campbell coming at you with the SummerSlam Instant Analysis Edition podcast. We recorded this directly after the close of that incredible Fatal 4-Way main event at SummerSlam Sunday night at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. The audio quality may be a step down from what you're used to on the weekly ITC show, but let me tell you this, you're still getting a hearty dose of that performance enhancing audio from bc handsome nick and the silver king himself enjoy Instant analysis, SummerSlam recap, live from Brooklyn, New York, two-thirds live from Brooklyn, New York. As I sit across the table from the Brian Campbell, I'm handsome Nick Costos, the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, holding down the fort in sunny South Florida. Here's the deal. It's past midnight on the East Coast. No pleasantries. Let's get right into it. Holy hell, Brian Campbell. What an epic main event in the fatal four-way match. Brock Lesnar retains the Universal Championship over Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns, and Samoa Joe. Nick, this match wasn't everything we wanted it to be. I really believe that it was more, right? It was the car wreck. It was the demolition derby. It was everything we predicted it could be. Match of the year contender, A-plus grade. Yes, all the way across the board. Why I say it was even more than that? It wasn't just a spot fest. You had legitimate stories being told. You have the potential spinoff now of Braun Brock to do giant business. And you saw that crowd pop when they first stared down across from each other. But how about this? It wasn't a major surprise that Brock won because we tried to be smart and predict that. But the fact that they sent him out in a stretcher, you know, it instantly made me tweet. Looks like Brock's going out on his back, right? Like every great champion and, except for Bret Hart. And what was the chance in the arena? Na 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 na, hey hey. He, right? Brock Lesnar got the hey 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 goodbye chance, which supports your point because I think that a lot of people, myself included, felt that this was their way of taking Brock out of the story. And line. to have Brock come back, of course, it validates his toughness. He's a badass. I think top to bottom, it was booked perfectly. You have perfect spinoff feuds because, by the way, if you spin off into Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe. There was tremendous heat in the buildup to this match between the two of them. But my final point I want to nail home. These were the two best feuds when you split up these four guys this entire summer, right? That build the Great Balls of Fire was on fire when you're talking about Braun versus Roman and you're talking about Samoa Joe versus Brock. They combined those two feuds into one for SummerSlam main event. It was an absolute home run. And now they can split those two feuds again and keep milking this for the rest of the fall. We criticized WWE's booking. At the top level, it's top shelf right now. We're going to get Silver King in here in a minute for his take watching on the broadcast, but I'm going to add this because you nailed it, Bri. This was an unbelievable main event, and I'll say, man, I'm 34 years old. I've been going to wrestling events since I was a wee lad. I have never felt the energy that I felt during the first 10 minutes of that main event. It was electric. And like, and I feel like the word electric is almost overused because this really was the definition, like volts of electricity coursing through our bodies. Everyone was standing for the entire main event when Strowman put Brock through that second table and then threw the third table onto him. We were laughing. Like we were, and here's Brian's doing the live recap with the laptop on his lap. Brian put the laptop on his seat, got up, and we were all marking out. It was 
tremendous. The energy was wild. And to me, it, it really made Let the card. Let me describe the markup. We had involuntary fist pumps. There were moments that like, you're not even marking out for a specific wrestler. You're marking out for the moment. I mean, you're talking about Milk of Marknesia being poured right over your head. We're delivering the performance enhancing audio. That was a performance enhancing match because it, you just can't help yourself to pop. I, it hit a point, by the way, where it finally slowed down, and I was sort of like, okay, where are they going to go here? Because it can't get any better than that. Yet, they put a bow on it pretty damn well, right? I think top to bottom, that's a perfect match. Silver King, you're watching the broadcast. Separate view from us, just marking out with the fans. How well was that presented? Uh, it was ridiculous. And, you know, to make a couple points here. One, WWE, yeah, they do struggle booking. But you know what? They don't struggle booking? Heavyweights. These are four massive heavyweights in this fight. 1,200 pounds of humanity in the ring and outside the ring mostly, and they always book that right. They always find a way. Maybe not big show, big cast, but when it's these guys, they, they're able to book it right. You know what, guys? I got to tell you, Brock Lesnar, for the first time since his latest return to WWE, he really earned a paycheck. You can talk yes. about him doing jobs to Goldberg. Yes, he did the job to Goldberg once, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, and then once in that Royal Rumble match. You can talk about him, you know, winning matches, retiring the or beating the Undertaker, doing X, Y, and Z. But I'll tell you this: he took two running power slams through a table. He got stretchered to the back. He looked weak, which Brock Lesnar never does, and he still got the win. He sold out, right, Nick? He sold out. I would go so far to say he made Braun Strowman yes. in this match. Like Braun Strowman was made to a degree. He's now a he's a, the Teflon Don at this point. Absolutely. After what we saw here, he sold like hell and put Braun Strowman over. And Bri, to piggyback off what you said, and I think this was very telling. And maybe they set it up like this, where you had the Reigns Brock face off first, and the crowd. You know, we're in the crowd, and I was surprised the crowd wasn't as hot for Reigns the Brock showdown, and then. Reigns gets out of the ring and Strowman oh gets in the ring God. and the place becomes unglued. I think there might be more money. Like obviously Vince McMahon doesn't want to hear this. There might be more money in Braun Brock than there is in oh, Brock. Roman. Yeah. No, you want to know why Vince McMahon wants to hear this? And you want to know why Silverstein's point on heavyweights was so smart and so strong because at its core, WWE is still a big man territory. I know like Brett and Sean changed the game and that's why today guys like AJ Styles could be your number one in your Daniel company. Bryan, but others. it's still a big man's territory. Vince McMahon is still going to try to pull Drew McIntyre and Big Cass out of nowhere and lift them up to the title push. This personified that it felt old school, right? It felt new school at the same time. It felt awesome. Silver King, how did it come across to you watching on television as far as the crowd was concerned? Because like I said, like BC said, this was as good a live crowd as I've ever been a part of for that main event. You know, B BC and I, we write and we do the live blog during the show. And all night we were talking about how, honestly, the crowd was bad in many spots. For this match, for the AJ Owens match and for this match, they came through in a massive way. You guys were there. They popped on TV. But you guys were there. Talk about what it was like to be in that crowd you said you marked out. That's fine. But the energy and the atmosphere, like, tell me about it because I'm jealous. Well, I don't know if you were listening when I spent the first two minutes talking about how it was the best energy I've ever experienced before Silver King. I mean, it was actually, like I said, it was the best live crowd I've ever been a part of no for any match. No hyperbole here, but Nick and I had lunch earlier this weekend in Brooklyn together. Silver King, of course, is back at the homestead in Florida. I talked about what was my favorite match, what was my favorite in-arena experience for live pro wrestling. I actually went back to last year and named last year's SummerSlam match between AJ Styles and John Cena, the first in, you know, in that run they had that led to Royal Rumble as my favorite match I ever saw live. This went above that 
because of that raw energy in the crowd. And I cannot compare this in, in the world of pro wrestling to any other feeling I had in front of a live audience. I can hit you with two off the top of my head. One was Rock Cena, the first Rock Cena match in Miami at WrestleMania yes. 28 when Rock won. People were jumping up and down in the aisles, yourself, yours truly included. The second was when Daniel Bryan won in the main event at WrestleMania 30. But I was actually, and all these thoughts are running through my head as the main event's going on. And I can honestly say that nothing matched that, that as I'm sitting there in Barclays Center tonight, I can really say that nothing matched the energy, the feeling that I had. It was Oh, this is why you watch. This is yes. why we attend events for moments like that. It's like it's like chasing the storm, right? We chased the storm tonight. The electricity, the thunder hit us right square on the heart, and it delivered in a major way. So before we move on here to the uh, Jinder Shinsuke match, the rest of the card, I'm going to give this match 4.75 stars. It was maybe you don't give it five because it wasn't a technical classic. You can say the ending maybe a little anticlimactic with Brock hitting Reigns with the F5, but man. As far as like a, a moment goes and a main event goes, it delivered in such a major way that it was as close to perfection as I think yeah. they could have hoped to achieve. I think you going four seven five for that specific reason you mentioned is fair. I'm just gonna go all full five stars because because <laughs> you know I like feelings. I like to be hit right in the field spot. And this I, I cannot give you a part of the match like I mentioned that I wasn't happy with. I understand the point on the finish, but five stars across the board. Like I said, I'm like. Eventually, there's going to be a letdown, and that letdown never came for me. Yeah, it's a five-star match. I think more importantly than a five-star match, it's an A-plus match. Tell us, what, what, what the hell does that mean? What's the difference? Try and explain that one. Well, when you're grading on stars, you're trying to grade storytelling and, you know, all the little intricate details of it. I'm, when you give a letter grade, you're just, how much did I love this match? It's simpler. It's easier. Watching that match, I marked out. I felt like a kid again. It's a match I will watch. It was historic. It's memorable. It's unforgettable. That's an A-plus match for me. And the key point in this is you not just had the spots, which we mentioned. We mentioned some of them, like Brock going through the table twice, Braun throwing a chair, Braun flipping the table on Brock. That's all well and good. (laughs) Braun throwing the chair, by the way. Braun Braun can get his own chapter (laughs) in the show, and he would deserve it. But how about how many near falls were saved, right? They almost took turns. Roman had some incredible late dives to break up a pin attempt where they almost got you as a fan, where you're like – if they ended it here, I'd still be happy. I think when Reigns hit Joe with one of the spears, and I actually turned to Jamie, one of our social guys at CBS, and I said, thank God that was because they swerved me. I thought it was over. You got caught in the mark zone. I mean, you got caught in the big net that they threw out there. And, oh, <laughs> man. and by the way, I, I'm going to say this point, and I'm going to stand by it. If this main event was half as good as it was, I still would have left SummerSlam happy. I still would get onto this podcast and give the show in general a pretty strong grade. But when you have a main event that is this great – now you have to go, was that one of the better SummerSlams I've ever seen? I want to get into that conversation. I'm, as a show on a whole, to me, this pushed the show, which kept getting better match by match, to a really high level. For me, it's not close. SummerSlam, better than WrestleMania this year. And I think that the ending sent me out on that feeling that I had when I walked out of WrestleMania after that terrible Reigns-Undertaker main event. I walked out of this match with a smile on my face and worth repeating, guys— Braun Strowman, the runaway star of the main event. And I think Braun Strowman made himself some money and put himself in some big time main events moving forward. So we all loved the fatal four way main event with Brock retaining the Universal Championship. Interested to see where that goes tomorrow night on Monday Night Raw. SmackDown to World Championship. Uh, I got a feeling that we're not going to be as bullish on it. Uh, Jinder Mahal retaining Brian Campbell over Shinsuke Nakamura. 
I'm not going to crap on this as much as maybe it deserves because I see where they're going, right? Anyone listen to this podcast, my prediction was Jinder goes over one more time because it's working for them business-wise. Maybe he'll even go over one more time after this. But the point is Nakamura is going to exit this feud with the championship when we're all going to be really happy. And he's going to restore the credibility to the championship that probably had been lost when, you know, you put it on Jinder, when you put it on a guy who's not top top shelf main event. They were consistent, though, and maybe you guys can jump down my throat and say that's not a strong enough point. They were consistent in making sure that Jinder doesn't beat anybody clean. He's a chicken crap heel. He needs those Singh brothers. That was consistent again. It ended sort of abruptly, but you know what? Jinder is who he is. I don't need him going 25, 30 minutes, right? And to a certain degree, Nakamura is also who he is. These are guys that are not going to put on 30-minute classics. And together, there's not a lot of in-ring chemistry, although both of their entrances were really strong. I wasn't that unhappy with this match. I didn't score it good. I scored it a C- minus on the on the letter grading system. But it wasn't in a spot where it had to wow us. There was enough wow factor around it. The overall story is that they're taking a chance on Jinder. They're taking a chance on the Indian market. And once again, he cheated to win. But they're setting up for knock to go over when it matters. What are you guys thought? Uh, Silver King, I'm going to give you the floor on this one as the resident contrarian here to go ahead. <laughs> and I have a feeling you'll disagree with a lot of what BC just said. Give me a trash can. Give me a laundry blaze. I want to see that WWE title dumped in it because that's what they're doing right now. They use the WWE championship match as the downer match between the hot U.S. title match and the hot universal main event. The WWE championship was the fluffer match. It's absurd. Jinder Mahal is an awful champion. He can't work in the ring. Nakamura, everything was set up for a massive moment with him winning in Brooklyn. Another wasted opportunity. I'm not going to repeat myself because I've said it a million times and we have a short show here, but horrible D, D minus match. Wasn't even a good match. The promo before the match that they aired on TV that you guys should watch at some point was... We, we did get to see it. It was awesome. Oh, they aired it, it was, on the Titan Tron. It, it was, was incredible. Great. That promo was better than anything they did building or during the match. Nick, split the difference. Where, where are you at? I lean more with the Silver King on this one here. I'm not as extreme as he is. I like Jinder more than he does. I don't like Jinder maybe as much as you do, Brian. But I, but Silver King, I think, makes some good points because he's right. And, you know, I was talking with Robbie Snyder. Shout out to Robbie, one of the great guys on the CBS Sports social team. And uh, right before the Owen-Shane match, and he goes, I think it's going to be Jinder Nakamura here, third from last. And I said, they can't do that because if they put Owen-Shane on now or Owen-Shane oh, uh, stop on now, then the crowd's not going to be as hot for the main event. So Silver King is right in the sense that the, the WWE Championship match was was the fluffer match. Yeah, Jinder kind of took business away from Kurt Hawkins in a sense, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I guess so, right? So, so I think Silver – listen, I think you asked me to split the difference. I think Adam's more right, but you yeah. are also right. In He's the, right in the sense that, yes, the, the championship is devalued, but I'm almost saying well, like, I don't, we I don't know even know if already. I don't even know if that's true, if the championship is devalued, but the match was garbage. Let's be real. The, yes. match, the match was – look. Look, let's call a spade a spade. The match was awful. I was more into like talk, talk talking about Game of Thrones on Twitter during because that match because that match was such. I was garbage. into the entrances though. That gender entrance. Yeah, yeah nice. look, the entrances yeah. were great, but the match was awful. It was not good. But Brian, here's where Brian's right, Silver King. We will eventually get the Shinsuke Championship victory, and when it happens, it's going to be really great, and people will probably mark out more for it with him having won this match in chicken crap fashion, as Brian too? Campbell said. They kind of created a mini Roman in gender. Because he's going to get the boos from people who are like, why is he our champion? And he's going to get the cheers from guys like me. And by the way, there were a lot of gender cheers Was, was I cheering for gender? Yes, sir. Yes, no. you were. I was on my feet cheering there for gender. There were gender cheers. And by the way, that cheer is part of like a proud of him for overachieving cheer. Correct. But you're seeing split 
views across the board and he's getting noise. So while we don't always support WWE for doing the Cena rain style of booking where they say we're going to try to be polarizing on purpose, it's kind of working with Jinder right now. So the only way WWE can get him over is for him to be so bad in the ring that even the Smarks and the Marks both hate him. Or no, 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 but Silver so King, Silver King. But no, but no, but you have to acknowledge you might not like him and you are welcome to your opinion and there are people that agree with you. Sure. But you have to acknowledge the fact that Ginger Mahal is over. He draws heat, yes. He, no. He's over. Silver King, I'm going to give you a chance here to answer the question properly. Is Ginger Mahal over, yes or no? So I think he's over in India. I wasn't in the arena, so Adam, I, can't, I can't tell Adam, you. Adam, this is a yes or no question. Is Ginger Mahal over, yes or no? No. Okay, you are wrong. Jinder Mahal okay. is obviously over. You don't have to like him, but you can acknowledge the fact that he I is over. But I wasn't in the arena. I didn't hear people cheering for him on TV. The, I heard the 3MB chant. That was it. That's all I heard from him. They popped They popped large for Jinder in the arena. And, and I think that Jinder, for what it's worth, does get heel heat. You can argue that maybe it's the kind of heat, hey, get off our TV. Or maybe it's, hey, we want to see this guy lose. Heat, um, but, right? I, but I love my guy Xbox, so I don't, but I'm not, so not going <laughs> to go there. So I, I'll split the difference. The match sucked, but I'm interested to see where it goes with Jinder and Nakamura. You know, we spent time on this podcast, guys, talking about how we really wanted that classic AJ Styles, Kevin Owens match that we did not get in part one or part two. Part one was on its way, right? Until until the crappy finish. And then part two, we had a weird finish as well. So now we move to part three. Brian Campbell, I think that we got that classic we were looking for. I think not only did we get that, but I think should they continue the feud, which I don't think they should, I think we could even get a better one. But he, but we got a really good one. And part of why we got a really good one is because you had that Shane McMahon uh, addition to this and it raised the rent and it brought intensity to the match and you know you saw Stone Cold tweet afterwards he loved it so much he talked about the word soap opera it was kind of a soap opera in there it was a well booked match a well performed match with next level moves with both guys kicking out of their finishing moves but ultimately it was the storyline is Shane getting a little two hands on, right? He pushed AJ into a into a near fall. In the end, in the finish, you saw he pushed KO into the same thing, which actually led to the finish. He took three bumps all three times KO at fall. I think we're getting the KO Shane spinoff, and it'll probably be really good. But for this match right here, it felt like a summer slam match. It felt like it mattered more than normal, and it was on a large platform. I thought it was a success across the board. I think I gave it an A-minus rating. Well done. I don't think there's much analysis to be given here. Like I said a couple weeks ago, like roll the ball out there and let your yes. two superstars deliver. They did it. it. It was like there was ref bump involvement, but the ref bump involvement was part of the storyline that you expected and is going to spin off to something else with an excellent performer in Shane McMahon. So I don't know that there's much to say other than it was exactly what we expected. AJ keeps the belt. As Silver King's been saying correctly, I think that we're going to get that KO Shane spinoff, maybe a Survivor Series, maybe sooner than that. But Silver King, I, how can you be anything but happy with this match? No, yeah, you're you're 100% right. It's the match we all wanted. I'm um, not even really going to go on with it. Um, you could argue that if there wasn't the special guest referee, you get them fully without that third person involved. But they told the story with Shane. I enjoyed it. And we should also point out, the match quality and the moves and, and just everything those guys did together in the ring is what we've wanted to see yeah. for now three months. And we got it. They delivered and they delivered at SummerSlam. And that's all you and can ask for. KO is not quite Cena in that great style Cena feud. I don't think he's 
exactly on Steena's big match John level of performance. And he doesn't he, get the same reaction, which hurts he showed as well. You, I think he sort of maxed out and, how good he can be. And though. that's not an insult him to it's say. It's not that. at all. You know, I think he did max out tonight at how good he can be in a big match. And having Shane there may have lifted it up. And I said, I still think they can give us more. I think if AJ carried a match more like like uh, Adam said, without that referee bumps, I think we still could have had maybe a little bit better. But I thought KO maxed himself out, and that's all you can ask for. You want to talk about SummerSlam moments and a match feeling like it belonged at the biggest party of the summer? Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins winning the Raw Tag Team Championships from Sheamus and Cesaro. What a great match. Um, some funny things happened during the match that we'll get into as well with the crowd. But man, as far as the match goes, Brian, that was excellent. Well, I think we got to bring up the crowd right away. There was a lot of matches on this card, which symbolized the whole card as a whole in my mind, where it started slow, the crowd wasn't into it, and the performers built brick by brick. And you had momentum and drama. And this one had that because you had the drama of the constant double teams on Ambrose and Rollins constantly coming in to make the save on his friend. And you still had them in the back of your mind. Is this friendship going to work? And that's that soap opera angle. That's the attention to detail. This feud has worked so much, not just because people pop for the nostalgia of getting the shield back together, but most importantly, because of that soap opera. And could it fall apart? It didn't. The crowd moment in question, though, Nick, was really an all-time great script-breaking moment. Let's be really honest here. The beach ball was becoming a problem for about three full minutes. Let me let me set the stage here, right? So in the middle of this match that the crowd's hot for, four guys are working their asses off and the match is good. Some jerk, I would use stronger language, but this is a family-friendly podcast, <laughs> takes a beach ball and starts hitting it, and people start hitting it now, and now that becomes the spectacle and not the match itself. Now, the script-breaking moment that you referenced, and uh, and just we're, we're gonna, I'm going to throw this out there now. We'll talk about it later in the week, too. We had a chance, Brian and I did, on Friday night at the WWE 2K18 event to interview a ton of wrestlers on the red carpet. We're going to have a special one-off edition of the show with that. It's going to be it's great. it's going to be, no, but let's, re let's reiterate that. It's going to be real good. Like, like phenomenal. And we will sell it more coming up later this week, but you're really going to like it. Sheamus and Cesaro really impressed me with how, like, they should get more mic time. We'll talk about that. That's for, that's the setup, what I'm about to say. So Cesaro shows you a personality that maybe you didn't know that he had because he breaks script, he runs, he leaps over the barricade, grabs the beach ball from the security guard, rips it, runs, spikes it down onto the ground, and the crowd absolutely goes ballistic. Does it ballistic. with anger? With, does it with passion? And it was and it was awesome. And I'm going to reiterate this again: if you are thinking right now as a wrestling fan of pulling a stunt like that and making yourself part of the show, hey jerk! No one pays to see you. No one pays to see your stupid beach ball. You're not part of the show. And quite frankly. I hate you. I hate you. I hate that you did that, and I hope you're listening right now because I freaking despise you, and I hate your guts. Period. Wow, End wow. of story. Hot take from the Costi. To close on my point, though, the building of the momentum, man, when that finish hit, when Rollins hits the Hurricane Rana and throws one of Cesaro into Sheamus, and not, I mean, that was a big moment. Rollins and Ambrose... So good together. Not like we didn't know that, right? Right, Adam Silverstein? Not like we didn't know that the Shield is pretty much awesome. Bad heat. I know that Silverstein, obviously, he loves the Shield. And I'm going to give a lot of credit here to a guy that I've criticized a lot, Dean Ambrose. Because Ambrose, I think, out of the four, was the star of the match. Because if you look at it, he took so many double-team moves from Sheamus and Cesaro, kicked out, and he had that moment where he's on his knees and he looks at both of them and goes, bring it, as if to say, 
I'm the, you think that you've got the best of me? You have not got the best of me. <laughs> Rollins comes in, makes the save. They get the moment that you referenced there, the double team move where he hits his version of the Rainmaker, Okada's Rainmaker, the knee to the chin of Sheamus, followed by the Dirty Deeds. One, two, three, crowd goes crazy. Shield pose, crowd goes crazy. New Raw Tag Team Champions. I can't wait to see you where know, this goes. It also did this. Look, sometimes it's the tease of a potential swerve or turn that keeps you excited there was the potential of a shield reunion in the main event there was they didn't show us potential on screen that roman reigns may be helped by ambrose and rollins but if you're a smart fan you started to think is that how the main event might end are we gonna get a full shield reunion because they were all wearing red they all wore red and we were talking about that in the audience silver king was there any indication on the broadcast or did you have any feeling that there might be a shield reunion in the main event. You know, it, it never really came to me until someone did tweet, hey, did you notice that they're all wearing red? I'm like, no, I, I didn't notice that because I guess Dean was wearing a hoodie that he took off or something. There was not an indication. More than that, there was a tease from Michael Cole in the main event about The Undertaker possibly being involved in some way. Hey, Roman Reigns may have retired The Undertaker. There's obviously rumors that he was in Brooklyn. So that was more of a tease than anything having to do with the Shield reunion. And I was going to reference that, and that tease worked. I like that those teases were in play, that you thought they made you. Just like, by the way, Carmella didn't cash in, but that tease was also in play. That, I think, added to the energy and the electricity of the show. Now, I'm happy. Quick, give me 10 seconds here on this. Let The Undertaker be. Like, he already, he lost to Brock at 30. He came back to go for his comeuppance. This storyline happened already. Let's let Mark yeah, Calloway, his, like, chill in Texas here. His, he doesn't need to come back. His career already died when they made him say Ultimate Thrill Ride while standing <laughs> next to that gravesite that time. And if I had my soundboard right now, I would hit it. But Yeah, okay. So let's uh, move on to the Raw Women's Championship match. And the clear winner of this match was not... Not Sasha Banks, but it was me and men everywhere because Alexa Bliss wore her hair in a ponytail and she's the most beautiful woman on the planet. No, Moving I'm, on to the actual no match. Or a family friendly show now. No, no, no. I mean, I, I just, I, yeah, let's just, let's just friendly. move on here because Alexa, I mean, just, mm, okay. So Sasha Banks wins the Raw Women's Championship, Brian, from Alexa Bliss. And this is where I want Silver King to jump in after you're done because I feel like text messages I got would seem to indicate that the experience that you had watching was entirely different from the experience that we had in Barclays. In Arena, I loved this match. Loved. Now, you can't give it a super high grade because it was only 13 minutes long in the end, but we've talked about the chemistry between them in the past. In the past week, guys, we didn't really hit this much on our podcast previewing this. The Banks-Bliss real-life feud really came out in the interviews this week leading up. Bliss openly talking about it on multiple sites saying, yeah, we don't get along. And basically it came down to, to wrap it up. Sasha went public kind of ripping Bliss and saying she wasn't a wrestling fan growing up, wasn't an intense fan like Sasha was. Bliss counters with, well, yeah, I was. I was a big wrestling fan. Why would that matter? And it sort of led to some backstage heat, which if you connect the dots— you may conspiracy theory angle for a minute and say maybe that's why Sasha wasn't originally in this match, right? Because there seemed to be some legitimacy to this backstage heat. Well, the Bailey injury, like we mentioned, best case scenario. These two have real chemistry, and I think you saw that come out in the stiff strikes early in this match. You saw a lot of creative spots. It felt like both were trying to outdo the other. Guys, we lived through the Michaels-Hart rivalry, how intense and creative and amazing it was when they constantly tried to outdo each other. There's a poor man's feeling in this feud. I don't want... I mean, a real a, a real destitute man's feeling. Of, of, of <laughs> it's a like Brett, a hobo living under a of bridge. A Brett, yeah. Sean, look, I, I, the, the go-to feud of this generation of women is, is Charlotte versus Sasha, and it's secured and legit, right? The end of 2016, it was amazing. It's... I think it's better than Lita and Trish when you look at it historically. 
But this feud right here, Banks and Bliss has potential to be in that category. I hope it continues because I love this. Silver King, the experience like watching it at home. Um, you know, it didn't come across the same way it probably did in the arena. Now, I was watching it intently because I love Sasha Banks. I love the women's division. And for me, it was an important match. And I was entertained by it. Uh, but I don't think it came across the same way on TV as, as BC was describing it. And it, to be fair to Silver King, like I said, I got several texts from friends yeah. saying the exact same thing. I will say this. Sasha Banks needs to be a women's champion. And it's not for a week or a month. or what, She needs to hold this title for a long period of time. If you go back, and I'm being serious when I say this, and you look at the best women's matches in WWE history, as long as you include NXT stuff, Sasha Banks is in like three or four of them. This wasn't one of them. But she's in three or four of them. She's the best in-ring performer the WWE has as a woman on the main roster right now. And if she can hold that title and they bring up Asuka, you are talking about an explosive women's main event for WrestleMania. I'm getting chills thinking about it. That's how good it would be. By the way, the every woman you interview in WWE, they, everyone says every single women's performer in WWE, their goal is to one day have a women's match main event WrestleMania. If you just look ahead of you two, three, four years – he mentioned Asuka. There's potential, great potential that Ronda Rousey may come in. I think we're going to see it really soon. I mean, can you imagine, just for example, Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte? That actually could main event at WrestleMania. I really believe that. Absolutely. All right, so so since we brought up NXT, let's just say this now. We will, we will talk about NXT TakeOver coming up on Wednesday in the regular edition of In This Corner. This is the Summer Slam recap, but don't worry. We will talk NXT TakeOver in full coming up later this week, pro wrestling edition of In This Corner. And just I'll add this. Um the original match was going to be Bailey and Bliss. And I think, it's not definite, but based on the fact that Banks won, it means that Bailey was probably going to win. And the fact that Bailey, and I'll take an L on this one, because remember I killed the Toronto crowd for booing Bailey, and I said no other crowd would have booed Bailey. Well, Bailey got booed at NXT. Booed hard. And, ba- and Bailey got booed by the live crowd in Brooklyn when she was up on the screen for a little bit tonight. So this may have been a blessing. I. And look, no one roots for injury here, but as far as business is concerned, solely from a business perspective here, this may have been good that that it was Banks and not yeah. Bailey to win this battle. And it filled a hole in WWE's booking, and that hole was not pushing Shasha, despite any backstage stuff, pushing her to the level she belongs at. Um, and I'd just like to add um, Alexa Bliss, Ponytail, please keep doing that because I absolutely loved it. Let's hit some— hey, Can we get a hey now on that? I mean, come on. Adam? Hey now. Quick hitters on the rest of the card here. Um, Finn Balor in full demon regalia. Brian Campbell goes over Bray Wyatt. Very disappointed in this match in the end, guys. I'm going to be really honest with you. I expected a major swerve in the storyline. I thought it was way too obvious for this to happen. Regular Finn loses clean on Raw. So what does he do? He summons the demon and then he goes over Bray. It's basically like the plot to Teen Wolf. Like, right? It seemed way too obvious. When you heard those Undertaker rumors, I started to get like crazy fantasy booker. I'm no, like, you really were like we were walking to Barclays and BC's fantasy booking. And I turned to him and I go, dude, like this is like the, the <laughs> fantasy of all fantasy. I'm like, bookings. let's start a satanic uh, cult, basically. With, like, with, Black, yeah, we'll get deal. Bray. I, I mean, look, did I really believe Bray Wyatt was going to win and turn Finn dark into a stable? Maybe not, although it was kind of a prediction I was floating around. I just didn't think it would be this obvious. Now, why is it this obvious? Because Finn Balor's a star, and he was already headed to the main event elite level when he got hurt after winning the title at SummerSlam. So one year later, this was like his full circle moment. He's going to go from this Bray feud and probably go right to the top, right? Maybe he wins an IC belt, but he doesn't even deserve to be. He deserves to be higher than that level. 
but it just felt anticlimactic. I felt it was almost like a waste of the makeup. Like the entrance was awesome, but it was almost like a waste of the makeup to have a forgettable match that was basically, I, I mean, how long? How Almost 11 minutes. Uh, almost yeah. 11 minutes in it. And, you know, Bray again, he's not the best in-ring wrestler, right? So it wasn't the best match ever, but what a just ho-hum ending. No fireworks afterwards. No continuation of a storyline. It's not even like Bray lost, but then did something vicious. Well, he gave you something because when he did like the backwards walk, like that walk and like in Finn sort of popped up, he gave you that look as if to say like, wow, like I may have met my match here supernaturally. So, yeah, right. So what does that mean? That means once again, Bray was jobber to the elite stars. Like he, once again, and it's like, so I know he we went over Seth to get to this level in the last twice, week, but where are we? We're back at square one. They don't take Bray seriously. So you even protectors of Bray like me have to get to a point where I'm no longer going to take him seriously. We have to get to the point where we stop expecting Bray Wyatt to be anything like he, he's just not going to be a champion anymore. He might win another one at some point down the line, icy title, but we can't expect him to be a guy who wins matches just because he's good and we like him and he's good on the mic. The demon at SummerSlam was necessary. Like, you have to have that entrance at a big show. The problem is exactly what you said, BC. It was kind of wasted. Like, you want to have it for a title match or for the biggest moments in his career, not necessarily all the time. I've been saying on the podcast, I hated that they stopped calling him the Demon King. Now they've dropped the king like it was a last name. He's the demon. Um, and it just... I love it. I, I like the entrance was incredible. I mean, you guys were there. You tell me. I thought it looked amazing on TV. Um, it was amazing. Two points here. One, I'll say yeah. it before. I said it once more. I'll say it again. Demons are not baby faces. And two, <laughs> get ready, people, when we put together this red carpet podcast to hear Finn Balor break down the intricacies of the demon character. It's going to blow you. It mind. really was awesome. And the one thing I'll add on this, um, I'll get two quick things here. Number one, I've killed Bray Wyatt more than the the two of you guys have. I had no problem with him jobbing tonight because they had built him pretty strong going into this match. Two wins back-to-back over Seth Rollins, a clean win on Raw. You knew Finn was going to win. It didn't bother me that he did. And Finn, I'll tell you what, man, being in that ring, not in the ring, but being in that crowd, Finn got a superstar reaction. And I like having him be the demon here because I think this will be his launching pad to bigger and better things. There is superstar main event money, yes. talent, feuds in Finn Balor that just quite honestly, it's not an insult to Bray Wyatt that Bray Wyatt just does not have or bring to the table. You know who else, in my opinion, doesn't have that main event talent, the main event feud stuff that, that, that really <laughs> brings that to the table? Man, not been a good six days for our guy Baron Corbin, huh? Wow. Opening match of the card, John Cena's music hits and Corbin comes out and I turn to you and I go, B.C., WWE cares at all about Baron Corbin. They will put Baron Corbin over in this match. Fast forward 10 minutes. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, John Cena goes over clean. I will admit there's some parts of the in-ring, ex- the in-arena experience that distracts from the match. I had multiple people standing up in front of me during this match trying to get by me. I, I, missed, the, I missed certain chunks in the yeah, middle. Yeah, how about that guy who seemed like he had like an issue, like a, like a, like a bladder problem that was yeah. getting up to pee every two he minutes. I hate sweet, that guy. He, he had a, yeah, he had a Cactus Jack shirt that was pretty sweet. But outside of that, the prostate was an issue. I just will say that I missed some of the intricacies in the middle of this match, and I just bumbled that word, but intricacies. There were no intricacies. Because there were none, but it just abruptly ended into me. It was WWE stamping that the Baron Corbin pushes over, right? They took the case off him in, in, in random ways. Oh, There's it's over, that, dude. It's over. We said on, on Wednesday, he like, a, it's done. He had a public issue on Twitter, and this sealed it. They didn't even give him a victory now. 
just to see him lose twice more to Cena. I feel like they sealed which, the whole Which thing. happens with guys like – we've seen that before. You get the first win over Cena, and then Cena jobs you out a few times afterwards. That did not happen for Baron Corbin. How's your week been, Baron Corbin? Not so good. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, though. Putting a capper on our great week, and I don't want to say capper because it was on the pre-show, which was absolutely ridiculous, but it's worth noting over matches on the main card how good that SmackDown Tag Team Championship match was. In my estimation, the second best match on the entire card behind the main event, the Usos beating the New Day Brian Campbell clean in a match that had you and I buzzing like crazy live in Barclays. It's a slow start short of being like an A-level match. And you and sometimes slow starts are good and necessary things. Sometimes slow starts are just slow. This shouldn't have been on the pre-show, but all four guys who are really, if we're honest, the two best tag teams in the company sold out and built an organic match over time that just really hit the feel spot when it needed to with near fall after near fall. It was a perfect kickoff match in the sense that it kicked off the show it got you fired up it was pre-show but it got you fired up for what to expect the rest of the night i just want to keep i'm not i would not be upset if the belt kept changing hands i would not be upset if this feud kept going i'm gonna give this match four four and a half stars i liked it better than you did the slow start didn't bother me because it built to such an unbelievable crescendo and the, the chemistry that these four or five guys have together is just unreal. Um, Silver, can you got anything on this here to add on this match? Go ahead. They're not the two best tag teams in WWE. They're the two best tag teams in the world. And I'd like you to challenge me on it because I'll tell you, the Young Bucks don't compare to either of these teams. Not even close. Uh, that- well, I think that, that you could you could make an argument to the contrary, but but they're good enough that I think that you can sort of get away with saying that. This match, we talked about it on, on Wednesday. This How we dare you of, play Heavy Machinery, by the way. One of, our, <laughs> one of our top two or three like matches we were looking forward to on this card, and the fact that it was on the pre-show was ridiculous. You guys said it. Look, that finish was ridiculous. I was kind of – I pre- we predicted, BC and I both did, uh, the Usos winning this match, but I was kind of hoping they wouldn't because I want to see them both work with other teams and get some rub and get some shine. But you know what? You said it, Nick. Like, I'll take this up until Survivor Series, maybe Royal Rumble. Like, I don't know. They say fight forever, these people, champ. Fight forever. I'll watch this every single week. Any thoughts, Brian, on Natalia going over Naomi via submission to win the SmackDown Women's Championship? Yeah, a lot of thoughts. Uh, We can talk all we want about the WWE Men's Championship being watered down or devalued with gender on it. Well, the Women's Championship on the SmackDown side has been completely devalued by the booking this calendar year. Uh, I mean, you add Charlotte to the mix and you do nothing with her on SmackDown, right? We've been all through this before with the welcoming committee. We've been through it before on how underwhelming Naomi's title reign was with the matches against Lana, all that stuff. Stuff. This match was just not that good, right? It was 11 minutes. It felt to me like 25. Nothing against Natalia necessarily. Nothing against Naomi necessarily. But we watched this match waiting for the cash-in to happen. And it didn't happen. And maybe in the long run, that's a good choice by WWE because it didn't need to happen on this card in reality, right? It was the fifth match overall, the second match of the main card you're not going to cash in this early, right? It's too predictable. But when you don't cash in, you leave behind a match that didn't matter and a new title reign in Natalia that, I'm sorry, it doesn't matter because she beat a champion whose reign didn't matter. I'm not going to crash down on Naomi and say she doesn't matter. She's a good performer. Her title reign did not matter. And now because of that, this title doesn't matter at all in Natalia's hands. You know, I think both Naomi and Natalia do matter. I really disagree with you. I think they're both really good in the ring and really talented. They both can work the mic too. But you said it. The problem was the booking for Naomi. They never booked her in 
against anyone except Lana. She had one great match against Charlotte, and that was all for nothing. I predicted this Natalia win way back before she even got the number one contendership. I was really happy to see her get it, and I think she will be able to work with the best women on SmackDown, and whether it's Carmella getting the win or whether it's Charlotte when she comes back from Rick, you know, hope he does well and hope she's able to get back. At some point, her or Becky Lynch is going to win this title off Natalia, and it's going to matter again. I think it was the prudent move to make. I, I agree, because if you look at SmackDown and the women there, like the two best performers in Charlotte and Becky Lynch are both faces. Now they have a strong heel that can both talk and work Correct. to chase uh, for the for the championship um, let's spend 30 seconds here on the horrendous, the abortion <laughs> with known as Big Cast beating Big Show with Enzo Amore and the Shark Tank. I mean, if we wanted to, we could do like a full Doomsday Cage style recap here of how bad this was, but let's not do it, mostly because I'm tired and it's almost 1 a.m. on the East Coast. Was, Brian, this was a train wreck. Okay, it was a train wreck. The only good thing was it was a decent idea to get Enzo stripped down and lubed up to slip through the bars. I didn't think that of sound, that. That, that was dirty. fine. But of course he falls down and walks into a big boot. If this feud goes on another second, it's a giant fail. The breakup of one of your hottest tag teams on the mic was a giant fail. Not the idea of doing it, but the execution. This whole thing was a giant fail. The only thing it has accomplished is establishing Cass as a legit heel with a little bit of heat with some potential for the future. But like I said, Enzo is just, you look at the one-year difference of Enzo's promo tonight in Brooklyn, right? He's a Jersey native. He's a New York guy. A year ago at this time, Enzo opened the show, right, with a long promo with Cass, and it really set the stage for SummerSlam, and it felt like a big deal. This year, you could have heard a cricket drop, a pin drop. You could, it was crickets in the in the arena when he gave oh, that well, promo. Oh, well, there were crickets. You got, there were boring chants throughout this match. I mean, the, the promo from Enzo, it, there's just no juice, right? Well, there's no juice because, like, he gives the promo and then he gets his head kicked off exactly. every single time. Like, like you got to have, like, he's got to get some comeuppance at some point. But why would you do that? Because you've buried him and because you put Big Cass over. You want to, you, if you care about Big Cass, here's what you do. You keep Enzo Amore and the big show the hell away from him tomorrow night on Raw. Let him get involved in something else. He can still be salvaged, but you got to get him the hell away from those two. And by the way, you one more thing. You have Gallows and Anderson be a big part of Monday Night Raw, and then they don't show up. They're not on the card anyway, and they don't show up. I'm not saying you have to make a heel faction and get me fired up because, by the way, if you look at the roster on WWE's main roster, there's one faction right now, the Miztourage, which you can argue it's not a faction. That's unacceptable. So it's not that they have to go faction. How do these guys just not even show up? So one week they were all about helping cast and beat up Break, break Big Show's hand. Who cares about Big Show's hand? And now they're not even out there. Where's the, consist the continuity? There's nothing. I'm going to lead us through the the first two matches on the pre-show. No analysis because, quite frankly, none are needed. Neville beat Tozawa for the Cruiserweight Championship. He had the nice moment on Raw with Tozawa winning. Neville rightly wins it back. I think I was taking a piss or getting food, and I missed most of the match, so who really cares? And then <laughs> the Miz and the Miz Taraj beat the Hardy Boys and Jason Jordan. So here's the deal. It's around 5.15. We walk into the arena debating whether or not to get food, and I go, is that the Hardy Boys music playing? So we walk in, go to our seats, and lo and behold, wrestling in front of about 25 people like it's a bingo hall in frickin' South Philadelphia are the Hardy Boys and The Miz, arguably the greatest tag team of all time and the Intercontinental and Champion. And a guy who just fought Cena at Mania, and it was a hot feud. Your best, One of your best talkers in the company. 
and also a guy that you're trying to put over in Jason Jordan, and he takes the clean pinfall in the loss to the Miz. I mean, look, I know that you're doing it for the network, and I get that. It's not necessarily for the live audience, but put the putting it was an empty, did it for 25 people. There was no one in there for that look, match at that time. You know the Hardys on WrestleMania weekend when they made their debut? That whole weekend they did indie shows all over or the Orlando area. I'll guarantee every one of those indie shows had 10 times the crowd that was in there tonight for this opening kickoff match show. If you're WWE, don't open the doors at 5 o'clock for the arena for fans to come in when your pre-show starts. Because guess what? You're guaranteed to have nobody in the crowd when you have matches, which doesn't look good. Why not open the doors a half hour, an hour earlier? That's a logistical issue. But do not put this match as the opening match. I, Neville and Tozawa, which I had a lot of respect for coming in, that probably should have been the opening match. Because, you, I mean, look, you mentioned it. There's too many names in this match to waste on a storyline that doesn't matter and to have it in front of nobody. It's just... SummerSlam 2017 in the books. Let's get our ratings for the show. Let's be quick with it because I'm tired. Selfishly, Silver King, you're up first. What do you give the show? You know, anyway, let's let's, let's here we got to get the letter grade or star grade here, depending on what the Silver grade. King's thinking. Go ahead. That's a letter grade. Uh, I it was a, a C plus, B minus for me entering the main event. Solid B after that main event. Really solid show. Entertaining. I will watch that card again. Maybe not all six hours, but I'll watch a lot of it again. Uh, I'm right in that B plus A minus like gray area. I'm going to give it a B plus. I thought the card was paced well and I thought it built match except for that gender match for the second half of it built and got better every single match. And of course, when you go home happy, it puts a giant bow on it and that's a five star match in the main event. So that does raise the rest of the card up. But like I said, if that match was half of as good, I probably still would look, be looking at giving the show a good grade because I felt that when you peak like that, and every match gets better and the excitement builds, that's a well-booked card in the end. I'm going to give it a B plus. Five um, title changes, Nick, right? I, Five title changes. I'm giving this card a B plus. Bottom line, and I always say this, right? If you can get one or two moments where you mark out I'm, I'm sold as a viewer. I'm sold as a person that paid to be in attendance. Shout out to CBS. I did not pay to be in attendance. But man, that whole main event was one extended markout moment. And even if the rest of the card had sucked, had been terrible, I'm still walking out with a smile on my face because that main event was so good. But you you got to give him one one high five here. Um, The match I wanted to see the least, Randy Orton Rusev, which was 10 seconds long. At least it was 10 seconds which long. Which we hadn't mentioned, right. by the way. Oh, oh, and by the way, worth noting here. So as we're sitting there and Rusev's beating him up. I go, here's what's going to happen. Rusev's going to beat him up. The bell's going to ring. RKO, match over. That's exactly what happens. Brian Campbell <laughs> refuses to acknowledge that that happened. BC, when it's a business for himself, no sold me like like the ultimate warrior, no selling Triple H's pedigree in WrestleMania 12. Can you acknowledge Great here welcome. on the podcast that this did happen? And I did, did call yeah, that. It did happen. It Thank did you very happen. much. I had to put him on the spot. I think to make you it wanted happen. me to like tweet it out and tell the world though. That's yeah, of course. I you're my yeah, you're my tag team partner. I expect <laughs> you to put me over, jerk. Even though you decided not to do it. My final note here, because I know you're going to disagree here, was SummerSlam better than WrestleMania? Because in my eyes, it was. It's close, right? Because this main event was so damn good that ultimately it's close but we've had this debate for three full days in a row off camera you and i where you think you undervalue how good wrestlemania was this year it was not that great. it was it was about the eighth or ninth best wrestlemania in history no at the three-quarter mark it was so incredible and yes and then and then the final quarter happened uh, final quarter happened but I, I thought wrestlemania because i love i love that argument that's like saying like if the super bowl ended after the third quarter the falcons okay. would be world champions that final, except, except that didn't happen the final quarter it, it wasn't horrific awful. I mean, it, yeah. you know, and for as bad as that main event was, you still had a moment. Anyway, I'll just leave it at that. I want to say WrestleMania because it's WrestleMania, 
But this SummerSlam, to me, like I said, it's a B-plus, almost an A card in my mind. It might be just as good. Silver King, yes or no? SummerSlam better than Mania? I think I think push comes to shove, it edges it slightly. And I think the reason is the climax of WrestleMania was bad. The climax of SummerSlam is good, and we all know the climax is the most important part. So... Silver King taking some cues from handsome Nick Costos on so, that one. I, so, I really like it. So when you look at it overall, you have to say, well, this ended with th- three of the last four matches were incredible. Whereas with WrestleMania, it was like two of the last four were terrible. So I think that easily puts it over. So, but like it was worth noting the Undertaker moment at the end was really cool, but the match itself that main evented Mania Reigns Taker was bad. The main event of this SummerSlam was terrific. 4.75 from me. Um, Silver King gave it a very good rating, uh, give it a, an A in his letter grade rating. You gave it a five star, so we absolutely loved it. And I think with that, it's time to go to bed. So for the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, for the Brian Campbell, I am Handsome Nicastos. We will catch you later this week for a regular edition of In This Corner. BC, hit us with those two words so, uh, so we can go to sleep and call it a night. We out. <laughs>